1: Hey everybody, welcome to S- Signals from the Frontline every Wednesday, not livecast, because still no internet. Womp, womp, womp. They're still
0: fighting off the death claws over here in Boulder City. Uh, I've heard Cox and another internet service provider have teamed up to fight the death claw infestation to get their internet in.
1: And you know, uh, Cox's competitor did offer us sub, sub dial-up speeds.
0: Ooh. That's like, that's like Giga Blast out here in, in the middle of nowhere. It's way.
1: not fast. So we were like, no, th- it was also $1,500 to get it set up for less than a modem speed. So we said, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Anyway, here we are broadcasting, not live, but it is Wednesday. We're sticking to the schedule. And of course the show, as always brought to you by frontlinegaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies at a discount all the days of the week, and I am your host, Mr. Recius, and with me is the Rhino.
0: What is up?
1: So besides complaining about our lack of internet in an internet-based business, which presents certain challenges, uh, all of our phone plans have been upgraded to include more data, fun times. Uh, Things are actually going really well out here, loving it so far in Boulder City, the uh, small city. Life is definitely appealing to me at this stage of my life. Mm. The Rhino was like, nope. I got to be near where the action is at. You
0: know, I've, I've been to almost 20 individual new restaurants since I moved here and it is nice. It's it's really cool. There's a lot of good stuff to see off the strip. Um, also recommendation. There's a, the Silverton casino has a giant bass, bass pro like bass hunting or, or whatever that fishing brand is called. Bass hunting. I don't know. I forgot what it's (laughs) called. Pro bass Bass shop. Bass fishing. Yeah. Bass shop. Anyways. Uh, and it's, Huge! It's like a warehouse full of just not only their merchandise, but also like they've got like a giant salmon aquarium, waterfalls, like maybe like eighty or ninety animals, stuffed animals, the um, taxidermied animals. There you go. <laughs> You're nailing so, it today. Yeah. Um, There's so a big difference shit. between
1: a stuffed animal and a taxidermied a taxiderm- animal. They were
0: taxidermied animals, and I had no idea that even existed in Vegas. And it was it was huge.
1: Well, the, the outdoor sports. Um, well, outdoor activities, uh, uh, what you would call a sportsman or a, uh, an outdoorsman in, in the old days, mm. is extremely popular in yes. Nevada. There's a lot of people that go hunting, fishing, four-wheel driving. Uh, hor- the, there's a lot of uh, uh, horseback riding, horse mm-hmm. people. Um, they live in north, northern uh, Las Vegas. And out in Boulder City, where I live and where the, the uh, company is located, on the weekends, like on Sunday, you see just a fleet of four-wheel drive vehicles coming back and they go to the local car wash and you know they, they wash everything up. Uh, hiking is huge out yep. here. Mountain biking. My All knee that, is starting yeah. to get better. So um, I'm going to get myself out there into Red Rock Canyon. It's so pretty. Um, and then of course you have Lake Mead. So a ton of people have boats. There's a lot of that kind of stuff going on out here. More than to to people who are unfamiliar with the area, um, who think of Vegas as just the Strip, or maybe Old Vegas, there's so much more going on out here oh, than, yeah. than just that.
0: Oh yeah, you it's uh, compared to com- I compared a lot. Obviously, I lived in San Diego my whole life, so compared to San Diego, there's just as much stuff to do out here. You just don't have a beach. That's pretty much it. And, and yep. you have a lake too, so it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. But also... There's also uh,
1: Lake Las Vegas. Have you been there yet?
0: I have not been to Lake Las Vegas yet.
1: It's a man-made lake, but uh, it's actually really, really cool. It's very Las Vegas in that it's authentically fake. <laughs> uh-huh. Nice. But it's very Vegas in that despite the fakeness, it's still super duper fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're also coming up on a hiking season in April, March. Um, so we're going to go waterfall hunting. That's what I'm planning on doing. Yeah, I can't wait.
1: I can't wait to go. Uh, it's it, it's very cold here in the wintertime. To those of you who live in Canada and the Nordic countries, you're laughing uh, fairly. For us, California wimps, it is very cold. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, in the spring and the fall, you get some really nice weather. And then it starts to heat up, yep. obviously, in the summer. So at any rate, that aside... Um, it is fun uh, to, to kind of relate that because I think it's very human. Uh, and it's funny because you are, I think you and I are like pass- ships passing in the night right now. You're, you're like gaining freedom and going to enjoy the city. And I've been doing that for a long time. And I'm like retreating from the city and I'm going to the quiet of the small town and loving it. <laughs> so I, uh, I applaud you, the Rhino. Get out there with your family and enjoy What the city has to offer. Because you you really haven't had a chance to enjoy that for most of your life.
0: No, not really, no. I haven't haven't had the kind of freedom that I have now.
1: Which is nice. You deserve it. You've earned it. So at any rate, that aside, why don't we talk about some gaming? So this week's pre-order for Games Workshop. A lot of really cool stuff, including some Adeptus Titanicus units and releases for the game. The long-awaited Killer Morph for the Gene Sealer Cult Faction, including their Start Collecting Box, which is a great value and the new uh, Commander Shadow Sun for Tau, and the latest Psychic Awakening book, uh, which features a lot of different factions, including, obviously, Tau, uh, Astro Militarum, and Scions. The Scion stuff is what I've been waiting for. It's very exciting, in my opinion. Uh, and the Astro Militarum portions of that are really, really cool as well. Um, I've been waiting for this. I'm a big Guard player, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows. And what Guard got is, in my opinion, very good. Uh, and the Gene Siller Colt as well. They've been met with kind of an underwhelming response from the community. Um, but to be fair, uh, the, the Eldar Psychic Awakening book, uh, Craft World Eldar players were very underwhelmed at first.
0: And that book is nuts. Like, and that book is good amazingly
1: stuff. good. Right when people fished out the combos, it put them back at the top of the meta.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't actually believe in judging a book until by a... its cover. <laughs> <laughs> Bad jokes that's there's the bad jokes right there anyways i don't believe in judging a book um early in its release or based off of the limited content or even in the first week of its release um i truly don't think we know how good or how valuable a book is to the competitive side until we've had like the top players get their hands on it read it take stuff to tournaments play it, play yeah. it. yeah so um
1: a lot of things like <clears throat> the the gw um previews are a mixed blessing on the one hand it's really cool, it stimulates conversation, it gets mm. people excited. On the, on the downside is that depending on what aspects of it they pick to display, it really colors people's perception of what the book yes. is going to be. So if they choose some random like rules that are underwhelming, uh, people are gonna come into it with a really negative perception of the book, even though that may not be accurate. That's why I always tell people, I'm like, read those for entertainment. Don't try to like, even though it's difficult, it's easier said than done. Don't go into those expecting it to to you know be the tea leaves from which you you determine the the overall value of the yeah. of what's coming. I,
0: I will say though one exception to all of that was the Iron Hand supplement. That was <laughs> the minute it came out. I, if I can see the powerful combos in my limited amount of time that I have with this game, then for sure other people are going to see them. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was I think probably the one exception where where I was like okay. We can judge this book immediately. It's yeah. gonna be really strong, and and it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, Space Marines, I think, have been the 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 big misstep of Eighth Edition. I don't think that I am alone in that opinion. I know I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's never as good or as bad as people make it out to be. You know, people. A part of the hobby is complaining about the hobby, but um, Space Marines, I think, were the one misstep really um, of Eighth Edition. It's still the game is still growing and wildly popular, but in from a from a match play perspective, that was the blunder of the edition, and, I agree. and they've they've corrected course to a certain extent, not as much as I think as a lot of people wanted, uh, but you know there it is, the the castling was bad, it was really bad, uh, people were were doom and glooming it, but the thing with Space Marines is that they're so. Omnipresent in the in the game, like almost everybody that plays the game has a Space Marine army. Mm-hmm. That it really exacerbated the impact that it had.
0: Yeah, and the other thing about the Castellan, because um, I was actually talking to uh, Peter and Val about this, was the Castellan was very much one list, and it it stuck around for a very long time. It was however, almost it was, a year, yeah, yeah. Ever it was very predictable. It was it was like you had your guard, you had your your bubble wrap stuff, maybe Ad Mech. Yeah, uh, but it predictably Castellan.
1: kick your ass every yeah. single time. <laughs> uh,
0: but there was there was already tech coming out from players, from top players, to beat the castle list and the castle list. Even though um, Brandon Grant did win with it, uh, it, you it know, was a
1: closely it, yeah, it was close,
0: was, yeah. and there were already players looking to counter it. Um, and the problem with Space Marines is that it's it's not just one list by a mile. It's you have you know four or five lists that. That any other amount of gravity, any of players can gravitate towards, that will are also as dominant as the castle list.
1: And there's probably ten times as many lists that haven't been discovered.
0: Yes, that are
1: in there. Like, yeah.
0: that's the real issue. The thing
1: that boggles my mind, right, is like Ultramarines have so much going for them, and you don't even barely see them. Yep. Which is insane because if that book came out on its own, they would be the dominant
0: army in the yep. in the game. We would be complaining about aggressors. Yeah. And, You know, maybe leaving
1: combat and still shooting and advancing or or moving and shooting. Uh, But, you know, the the Iron Hands are so much better, followed by Raven Guard and Imperial Fists. And, you know, White Scars, too, in the right hands, they still kill other Marines really, really well. Yep. It's, you know, it's, it is what it is. But enough words have been said on that topic, I think. Um, Psychic Awakening is bringing a lot of cool stuff. Fear of Guard player and Guard did really well at the, uh, at the LVO, multiple players went five and one, if I remember correctly, including Brandon Grant. They were all very similar. They featured a lot of Lehman Russes, and it was just like the variance was, you know, what kind of Russ we using. Brandon was using all Demolishers. The other guy that went five and one was using all normal Lehman Russes. Um, so that you know, that was interesting. And then why I bring that up is the Psychic Awakening, what it give, gave to Guard is largely focused around Lehman Russes. So it's taking their best asset, and making him better.
0: Mm. And Oh, and um, speaking of Brandon Grant real quick, as a funny story, uh, Brandon Grant went five and one. And I think a lot of people kind of wrote him off because not only was he not bringing Space Marines but he also lost super early at the LVO.
1: No, he lost round three. That's oh, right. I wouldn't well, call that's, that super
0: that's early. early for Brandon Grant.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
0: But, um, but he lost day one. And when he told me about his loss, his loss was, and he gave his opponent all the credit. However, he lost because his astropath blew up Uh, perils on a double six he re-rolled one six to a six it died max damaged a leman rust which then exploded and killed something else and then his bulgren uh failed to kill like like a couple centurions it was like really when he was explaining it i was like oh so you just had really really bad luck so brandon grant was like a few bad rolls away from just going six and oh and making the top eight again
1: and he um he played five marine players all different armies and beat all of them except the one that beat him and it was like he didn't even tell me that he was like yeah he's like i lost yeah but he's so humble oh yeah but uh i didn't know that it was like and i'm sure the other person played well not to take anything away from them but yeah he over he he beat like five different flavors of marines Mm -hmm. Uh, he was like joking that it was like pokemon he's like i gotta catch every chapter apparently But he brought like what four Lehman Rust Demolishers, mm-hmm. and, those, reason, and those and those wreck Marines. Yes,
0: and the reason why I bring Brandon Grant up is, um, for for those of you who are maybe uh, doom and gloom sayers or worried about the space Ring meta, there are still lists that you can use in in perceived underpowered factions like Guard, for instance, uh, that can do really well. Uh, you just have to put more work and time into learning them.
1: Yeah, you just have to you, you just have to to practice and like don't get. Di- don't get dismayed if you don't immediately clobber everybody, right? Like that's why people gravitate towards net lists is because they know they work. They're the, the, how to play them is out there. And like I tell people, like if you're new to the game, don't be ashamed. You want to pick up a net list, go for it. You're going to win most of your games and then it'll, it'll make it, it'll be exciting. You'll start rising in the ranks and then Mm -hmm. you'll bump up into the truly good players that look at your list and know everything it does probably better than you do and then you'll lose. Yes. Right? yes, And we've seen this over and over and over and over again. But if you really want to become a top-level player, you, know, you have to trust your own ideas and right. be willing to work them out over time, experiment, lose games, come back to the drawing board. Because when you come to the table with a list that the other person doesn't know what it does, forward and backward, and have already played it four times, you have an advantage already, hmm. right, in knowledge. And that's where you see a player like Brandon or Sean that, that comes with these very creative lists. The other person looks at it, doesn't immediately know what it does. Now you have a big advantage psychologically already in the game. Yep. But to get to that point, you have like an evolution of a competitive player, which I've outlined numerous times. I, I was the journey I went on myself. I started out as a narrative player. I'm very competitive by nature. I went to my first event, got my teeth kicked in with my, you know, fluffy Dark Angels army. I didn't like it, I, but I was drawn to the competition. I was drawn to the fun of the event. So then I kept experimenting. I made like kind of a net list, my missile wolves list. It was like a variation of a common list at the time. And then I started winning everything. Like I was winning, I won three GTs in one month. It was the best I ever did, um, and, and not to toot my own horn. It was just kind of like, I was getting the success. It was very exciting. And then I got bored with the army cause it was very, it, it was basically stood there and shot you. And uh, and then I, I, I developed my foot list, which everyone told me I was an idiot. Oh, you'll never win with this. There's all these memes from it in the early days of that. But I, I really had the confidence at that point of like, I don't need anybody to tell me this is good or not. I've done the math. I've thought it through. I know I can win with this army. And then when you start doing that, that was, that's when you really put your stamp down, right? When you're winning with something that other people don't understand or they think it's bad. That's when you kind of push through to this next plateau of mastery of the game when it's like, now people are copying, they're they're, they're netlisting your list that's when you've, you've really punched through to a whole different right. level. And to get there, it's a journey that you should enjoy. And there's different steps that you get to along the way. And a lot of it's just building confidence, getting experience, and anyone can do it. Anybody out there can do it. Um, so long story short, uh, trust your own ideas. I've said this a million times, but you're probably right. Like you're, you're, if, if you study the game, if you're good at the game, you care about the game, you play in tournaments, Your ideas are probably right. They may not work immediately, but you can get them to work in time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was just perfect.
1: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot because it's like, I've seen, obviously, been involved in this for as long as we have, running tournaments as long as we have. You see players go through these stages, and it's cool. It's neat to watch it, Um, and it's, it's one of the reasons why we're still doing what we're doing, right? We always talked about seeing people get the bug, get the tournament bug, go from maybe being even against tournaments like oh they're whack and uh, and then they try it and they're like that was so much fun and then they're going to every possible tournament it's such a neat thing to to see people get the the, oh, yeah. the passion
0: <clears throat> all right BAO tickets you only have 2 days left to get those discounted BAO tickets i highly recommend you get those discounted BAO tickets uh because it is part of a uh, Kublacon as well uh so you have a full con that you have to go to and pay for as well and um you only have 2 days so yep uh
1: ticket prices go up for uh, go up in cost on the 15th so you have until valentine's day really to do your get yourself have some self-love get yourself a valentine's gift get a cheaper ticket to the bao make sure to read the tickets the main event tickets come with a con badge a lot of people were asking that question clearly uh didn't read the ticket description which happens all the time i get it but uh if you get one of the main event tickets it covers your entry into the event uh we are at a different hotel this year make sure you look at that we're at the uh, I, don't the, I can't remember what it's called. It's a beautiful, beautiful hotel right on the water, right next to the San Francisco airport, uh, SFO it makes it very easy to get in and get out. And, uh, if you're coming with your family to do a San Francisco, uh, adventure or a um, holiday, it uh, makes it super duper easy. You can, uh, have your loved ones jump on the BART, which is the name of the, uh, subway system in San Francisco, and they can just take it right into the city. It's super convenient. Very, very, very convenient. And the hotel price is very reasonable for the Bay Area of California. So uh, please stay at the hotel if you can. The event organizers are on the hook to book the rooms. That's always the case with these, these things. So if you can, if it's convenient, it's within your budget, please do stay at the hotel. And it just makes your life easier. You just walk down to the event. You can socialize easier. You don't have to carry stuff. You don't have to worry about parking, trying to fight traffic in the Bay Area, which can be pretty bad. So come on out. It's going to be a lot of fun. The ticket prices are very reasonable. And then in March, the, what I would call side events, not to be deprecating, uh, they're awesome events, the non-main events, those tickets go up for sale in March. If you're looking for the Longmore Doubles, 40K RTT, any of these type of events, those tickets go up for sale in March.
0: Yep. Boom. It's it's going to be super fun. buy your significant others one, tickets for Valentine's Day too. Why not?
1: Why not? Support the event. Oh, and then one last thing on, on Psychic Awakening, uh, not to hammer that too much, uh, I'm really, really excited for the uh, Scions rules. I don't know if you had a chance to look at them too much. I although. have not. So the, I already thought they were really good. Some of the stuff that they got previously, like the drop force and all that was re- really good. I've been playing them competitively. I was, excuse me, it's been a while. Uh, but I, I'm actually considering playing them for this season and what little time I actually get to compete these days. So anybody else out there that's got some cool ideas, maybe stuff I missed, If you want to leave it in the comment section over on frontlinegaming.org, and talk about some of the fun combos that you've seen in there, let me know. Cause I've got a full Scion beautifully painted army, painted by the FLG Paint Studio, actually, and um, I've been having a ton of fun playing them. So if you've got some cool ideas, I'd love to hear
0: them. Just you know what? Just be confident (laughs) and and uh, don't listen to anyone else. Yeah, don't listen to anyone else, and just you know be confident that what you build will be awesome. You don't need the rest of the internet.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so that's, that's not doesn't that doesn't mean you can't talk to other people. Of
0: course, it is. You don't need
1: validation on your ideas.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: but there's some fun stuff in there, and I, I'm really excited to put my scions on the table.
0: All right, SoCal. In,
1: in other news, SoCal Open, which is rapidly becoming one of the premier North American events, it's not just a West Coast event anymore. We have people coming in from other countries for three years in a row now uh and it's it's growing extremely rapidly and it's just a matter of time before it becomes a uh heavyweight super major yeah, it will not be it's such a
0: good event go ahead sorry
1: no no it's okay go for it, buddy
0: uh, i was just saying it's such a good event too it's it's i've never heard complaints about the actual event after the event um except for the one guy who th- who complained about it not being on the beach that was um, hilarious. <laughs> uh, however, it's just such 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 a good event. Not just for players, but for us as well as organizers. It's I kind of like to think of it as like our like escape event, right? Like uh, that we go out and and run a, t- a tournament that is just so easy to run that feels like a vacation almost.
1: It's bizarre how like chill the event is. Like yes. it is like the quintessence. Like when you think of a Southern California anything you think of the beach you think of palm trees you think of laid-back people like enjoying the vibes and all you know like all that kind of like stereotypical socal stuff and the event really does capture that vibe and despite the fact that it's a huge event now it does feel like a breeze like i'm bored half the time yep at the event um but it's it's a blast and it's been growing incredibly rapidly so if you want to come out please do the event will be October 24th and 25th, 2020. Uh, we typically put sa- uh, tickets up for sale for this event in March or April. We'll let you know um, as that develops so that you can plan on setting aside a little, little bit of money to grab that ticket. Uh, we will be featuring all the usual suspects, uh, Shadespire Kill Team, uh, 40K, Age of Sigmar, all the fun stuff. We're actually looking at some other events as well. We'll keep you updated as that develops. And again, it's in beautiful Del Mar, California, right? It's, you know, 400 meters from the water. It's right basically on the beach. So it's a ton of fun. Can't wait to see you there. What is your prediction on how big the events go? I know AOS, they're planning on 64. We'll solidly put them as a major. What is your prediction on 40K this Um year?
0: I think, I think 40K, I think we'll probably expand a little, but I, um, I know, uh, you, and I, I know our uh, kind of the way we run tournaments, the way the method works, we don't tend to to go crazy and go as much. Can- I, I, I think we firmly are in the camp of progressing as much as we can as uh, efficiently as we can, uh, which means that I probably see around 350, 400 players maybe at the most. Um, I don't see it going like to trying to hit like LVO numbers or anything. Um, we certainly can fit. A lot of people in that in that warehouse, but I think we hit like what two fifty six this last year.
1: Yeah, we sold three hundred tickets, yeah. but then I think we had show up. It was like two forty or something yeah, like I that.
0: I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're see more than like ten percent growth. Well, that's actually not. I think
1: we will. I think we've been seeing hmm. pretty aggressive growth across the board. My prediction is that, like you said, I think we'll sell three fifty to four hundred tickets. We'll probably roll dice with over three hundred. That's my guess for this year. Yeah, but we'll see. You never know.
0: Also. <clears throat> uh no pl- promises yet, but we're definitely angling to get other events in there as well, too. So if you're not a, if you're getting a little bored of 40k, maybe the marine meta is you down and you wanna play other games the SoCal Open, you can always reach out to me, frontline pop at gmail.com. Uh if you want to run an event the SoCal Open, or if you're curious about maybe other events that are gonna be there too. So there's definitely room to grow there.
1: Indeed. Yeah, and that's the the interesting thing is that it's not a warehouse, Mister Pob. It's a it's a, an event hall. There's me. There's one right next, like literally right next to it. That's almost as big. Yes. So we have a lot of room to scale up yeah. um, there, which is great because that's one of the problems. Uh, events that are successful, the biggest problem that they have is finding room, um, and that's uh, thankfully not something that's going to be an issue for Socal for the foreseeable
0: future. Yeah, yeah. And the Delmar fairgrounds is as long as you're not uh, planning your event during the Delmar fair, there, you know, it's it's great. It's a lot. There's not tons a lot of space there tons of, it's there, easy tons to of get parking. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right. So, enough of that. Uh stay tuned for tickets going up on sale that will be in the next couple months. But let's talk about the new ITC season. That's kind of like the hot the hot topic in the competitive community. Obviously, it has a lot of uh, it impacts very much a lot of people, what they do. And again, the growth in the ITC this last season was ridiculous. I mean, hyper-aggressive growth really took me aback more than I was expecting or even hoping for. Uh, just just in 40K, we had more people in the ITC last season than we did in the entire ITC the season prior. Uh, we, had, wow. we went from 10K registered to 14,000 registered players. And again that's just registered players that means in my estimation there's two to three times that many people that participate but never register. Yeah. Right. Um, you know when when I say participate they're playing in their league at the shop on their pickup night or whatever they they're involved in it it influences the way they play the game but for you know for whatever reason they just never have a, a need to register in and we saw growth like that all over and as we've been mentioning and as we will see in the when we talk about upcoming events it's truly gone international. It's insane, right? Um, we have one of our first events in Brazil this coming weekend. It's just it's incredible to see it. It's really exciting. It's really cool. And the the community of people involved in the ITC has, it's really kind of hitting a different gear. It's, it's solidified and taken shape. It's truly international with the people putting in their input. We have regular uh, contributors in the ITCTO group, which is where we make most of the decisions on what to do with the ITC, what direction to take it. And regularly we have people from Asia, South America, Africa, uh, Europe, um, you know, obviously the United States and Canada, Australia. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's really neat. Whereas, you know, seven years ago, it was a largely adversarial relationship. Not like, I would call it a friendly, competitive, very little communication occurring when you had the different, you know, groups out there that were kind of, each doing their own thing in competitive 40K. You had the ETC. Australia had their, they had the like master's event. They kind of did their own thing. America was fractured basically between the South, the West, the Midwest, the the West Coast and the East Coast. Canada kind of just did their own thing too. And uh, the UK largely followed with the the ETC. And, you know, the Asian, uh, Latin and uh, African markets were not really in the conversation very much. So it, to see how far we've come in such a short period of time, it's really exciting. And to see a lot of these people that at one point in time made of in a friendly way, poked fun of each other to now be friends, you know, communicating with each other, working as a team. It's really been one of the most satisfying things I have ever in in regards to things in the hobby. Yeah, This to me has been the thing that I am the most proud of to have been a part of seeing this all come together and see the global community now working as a team.
0: Yeah. It, it, you, you're hundred percent right. Um, I, I remember uh, two or three years ago when, when right a little bit before eighth edition got announced um, I remembered seeing kind of the writing on the wall of the ITC expanding and growing to be where this is. So I'm, I'm not going to say I called it, um, but I'm definitely not surprised. And I think we also owe a bit of a debt of gratitude to GW um, oh, a huge, who, yeah, a huge debt of gratitude. Absolutely. They not only rolled out a new edition that made, that got everyone hyped up and excited about it, uh, but they also got together a team of people um, who normally wouldn't get together and uh, they all, you know, they all got together and, and created something awesome. So, Yeah.
1: And a big part of uh, of all of this too was, you know, GW helping events, you know, getting playtesting yep. And I know a lot of people like to, to tease, like, oh, this is, how was this play tested? And, uh, you know, t- fair enough, but there are really dedicated people that care very much about the game that are very good at the game and mistakes still get made sometimes. Right. Um, just think about all the things that got caught. Think about all the things that, that didn't pass through the filter, right? Yeah. And that took a lot of bravery and that took a lot of, you know, risk on Games Workshop's part to, to endorse yeah, that. and the game's definitely better for it. I know some people might disagree, but without seeing the whole picture, it's that opinion um, isn't a fully informed one. Yeah. Right? Um, but it's just it's been so cool to see this go from a fractured community of little subgroups, little fiefdoms everywhere to what is largely a cohesive team now. Of course there's people, there there's, you know, always going to be little groups that do their own thing, which is totally fine right? A lot of those little groups, good ideas come out of them, mm-hmm. uh, but largely it's it's more cohesive than it's ever been. So it's just very fulfilling to see yes. a goal that we've been working towards for literally a decade. Like I, you know, this is not about me in any way, but I, I was, my personally was trying to get TOs to work together like 13 years ago. <laughs> and like, I swear, I swear it's all documented too, right? Like, like so long ago, was trying to get everybody on the same page, and to see it, it finally come together. And again, I'm not taking credit for this at all. It's it, it's a 100% a team effort. But to see a goal that I've been a part of and been working towards, it's just been extremely satisfying uh, to see it it really coming to fruition at this stage.
0: Absolutely. Now so now let's talk about. Oh God.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say. You know, enough of that self <laughs> congratulatory.
0: Uh, yeah, so you know, let's, let's talk about aside, the things that are going to affect those tens and tens of thousands of people that we just talked about. The segue <laughs> the segue
1: being that as a result of all that teamwork and awesome, you know, positive energy, um, we're working as a group to update the ITC missions. So for those of you who are waiting, we're almost done. The goal is to be done by Friday. Um, if not Friday, by Sunday for sure, the 16th, but we're hoping to be done on Valentine's Day so that events this coming weekend, if they are bold enough to do that, can use them. Mm. A lot of the tos in the group are already play testing these. A lot of the ideas we have have already been used. Um, in the last couple weekends, uh, the tos have already been uh, applying it in their local, local groups. So we've already gotten a lot of feedback on it. And um, it's interesting because there's so many voices, and you know, navigating that is presents its own challenges. Everyone in the the to group has earned uh, a chance to have their voice be heard. But everyone's coming with different ideas, uh, different uh, attitudes about game development, playtesting. So navigating that has been interesting, but it's been a, a largely cohesive and smooth process. And I know you guys talked about it on Chapter Tactics, right, Pop? Yes,
0: we absolutely did.
1: Yeah, Steve was... Uh, ch- I haven't had a chance to listen to that yet.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, y- yeah, I highly recommend you do. Um, uh, Steve, Pamperin, and Salty John, and Skari, all we all came on. We talked uh, mission design theory, uh, kind of our own personal thoughts on, on what direction the mission should go, what we liked about them currently, what we didn't like. Um, it was a really, really good episode. I highly recommend you listen to this Chapter Tactics episode 146. Um, and it yeah, it's just, we talked a lot about the direction, the possible directions the ITC could go. And we, more importantly, opened up a discussion to the public in the comments sections on YouTube and Frontline uh, about what we could do or what could happen.
1: Yeah, so check that out. And I definitely, will, I usually try to listen to all the podcasts on the FLGN Frontline Gaming Network, but obviously not as busy as we are. We don't always get a chance to. Um, and then also check out The Art of War. Consider them for some list coaching services if that's something that appeals to they you. They have
0: or- a really interesting gene circle, uh, Lathurus yeah um out right now so if you're if you're uh, he beat i think five space Marine players at cancon to to like i think a five own record or something i'm probably butchering that however um more importantly uh he's running uh what many 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 people consider to be an underpowered or even dead faction and did really well at the second largest uh event of the of that weekend, which was CanCon, which is not to take away from CanCon because the other largest event was the LVO. Um, so CanCon was definitely a huge event. And, uh, I highly recommend listening to that episode. It's really good.
1: Yeah. And then of course, always tune into stats center where you can hear the Falcon and Val Heffelfinger talk about what's what crunching numbers and giving you all the latest scoop on the tournament scene, but back to the point. Um, so yeah, since you guys covered in depth, a lot of the theory, um, we can gloss over that because I'm sure you all did a great job and I'll make sure to listen absolutely myself. So where we're at to give you all a status update that aren't, you know, in the loop, so to speak, we always strive to be transparent here at Frontline Gaming. We feel that's important. Uh, we have added in the super major designation officially. It's already a colloquialism in common use. And uh, what that is, is an event with 205 or more players and seven or more rounds and uh, it doesn't. You don't have to go to a super major. It doesn't influence your score. Um, you know. You don't need. You don't need one to get a full score. But it's it's like a nice tip of the hat to the the truly big events that are typically going to be run over uh, three days.
0: Yeah. Also, as I hinted at last week, or mentioned last week, not really a hint. Um, there's nothing there, but it it does make a, it doesn't create a level of organization, uh, that could help us in the future. Right. So if we, if we want to go the circuit route or if we want to go the pro route, quote unquote, uh, the designation of super major is something that we need to already have lying around. Uh, so that's, that's not a hint at, at anything that's coming or anything. That's just my own kind of thoughts. Um uh, so it's really good to just have.
1: Yeah. And, and like the, my attitude is always to be a realist if people are already using the term and that they're, you know, like it might yes. as well just oh, yeah. roll with it. Uh, there's no reason to fight the title on something like that. So that's been uh, designated for 40 K champs for your ITC score. I'm sorry for 40 K only 40 K, not for any other of the games in the ITC circuit. In order to maximize your score, you need six events. It used to be five. We've bumped up to six because there's so many more people participating and going to so many more events that for the average person, it really won't change anything. But for the, uh, for the players that are in the hunt, it'll make it a lot more exciting. Uh, and then to maximize your faction score, it's five events now. It used to be four. Uh, we're adding in three new missions to the existing six. These will deviate from the main six fairly significantly. It's going to be the same... They'll be similar when you'll look at them and it's not like a wild uh, deviation from ITC standard missions. But one of the biggest points of feedback that we've gotten is that the ITC missions can feel the same. And for especially more casual competitive players or just strictly casual players, they might even feel like they're boring because they feel so similar. The nuance between them is not is lost on them. Not to imply that they're not smart or not good at the game. It's just not it's not scratching the itch that they want. So we've decided to add in three new missions for a total uh, stable of nine missions. Most of our events will still run based missions one through six, but missions seven, eight, and nine are going to be a little bit more, add some variety. There's some pretty unique ideas in there. And hopefully for TOs that want to spice things up or just mix it up or appeal to your more casual competitive uh, constituents, so to speak, this will give you uh, something to do that with and hopefully still be balanced and fun. Uh, We're also going to officially recognize chapter-approved missions as ITC official. Anybody who's involved knows that you can already do that. But for some people, it needs to be in the pack. So we're simply going to say, if you so choose, you can run chapter-approved missions and count as being an ITC event. Just make sure to make that clear to your attendees ahead of time, obviously. Uh, We're refining the bonus points. A lot of the work that Steve and his friends did about uh, changing the way the bonus point works, making it a little bit more accessible. has been well-received in in the community of ITCTOs. And one of the biggest points of feedback that we got, critical feedback, was that the missions feel they're slanted towards killing things instead of board control. I don't fully agree with that myself. Um, I know the missions were designed to actually slanted towards holding objectives, but I think in practice, it it doesn't feel that way. So we're working towards making the bonus point easier to get. And then in the primary mission, that's going to make it more, even slanted even more towards holding objectives instead of killing things. And we're currently in the process of refining secondaries. Uh, we're looking at possibly adding some in, either dropping or changing ones that aren't as popular, like King of the Hill, and looking at adding in some, some uh, different kinds of secondaries. And we're strongly considering categorizing them, aggressive, defensive, and you have to pick at least one of each. And that, again, would force you away from all kill stuff, which critically has been one of the biggest points of feedback. Uh, I don't want the mission to feel like it's strictly about killing things. All right, fair enough. Loud and clear. So for all of you out there, that's giving you kind of a, a, an update on where we're at, what we're doing, where we're going, why we're making the decisions that we're making. And of course, if you have any comments, feedback, ideas that you want to share, please do so in the comment section of uh, the blog post associated with the podcast on org. What do you think, Pablo?
0: Well, uh, I, I like... I like the changes. I think we definitely need some changes. Uh, One thing that we talked about on Chapter Tactics, but unfortunately we can only brush the surface on, uh, was the idea of fun missions or fun bonus points. Uh, Steve mentioned that his favorite ITC champion mission was mission six, which is uh, six objectives, is it five or six objectives? Five on it's the It's five, mission. but there's one in the center. That's the big thing. And the way the other four are designed is that there's almost there's usually more objectives that are in neutral zones than in deployment zones with that one. And the added element of the HQ choice also being able to score you the bonus point. Uh, meant, oh, Crucible of Champions. Yeah, it was Crucible mm-hmm. of Champions at Mission Six. And I agree with them. I think that was one of my favorites too, if not the favorite for me. Um, but we had a hard time coming up with more dynamic missions like that specifically in regards to the uh hqs holding the objectives and getting you the bonus point there and so if you have any ideas like that that would be super cool uh we had a hard time discussing that although we all decided that that extra layer of depth to the mission really made it more fun to play, uh, we couldn't think of on the podcast and also off the podcast of more missions like that. So if you, if you're someone who has always kind of wanted to make fun missions or or has ideas, uh, put them in the comment section. I'd love to read them personally as I'm sure Reese would.
1: Yeah. And as somebody who spent a lot of time thinking about this topic, um, studying it, I'm always interested in seeing other people's takes on it because you never know where a good idea is gonna come from. Mm-hmm. It's easy to think that your ideas are bad just cause I've spent so much time really focused on mission design. Whereas as a player, I was focused on how to like maximize efficiency and optimize to the mission. When you're on the other side of it, it's a very different animal. Mm. So it's cool to see other people's ideas cause you never know where a great idea is gonna come from. Yeah. Sometimes someone that they will just fire something out and you're like, that's genius. I had never considered that. Um, and we were, you know, always, Happy to adopt a good idea. It doesn't matter who it is or where it comes from, but yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of people. One of the most common things we saw was, I want, I want variety. I want something new. And we're like, okay, what? Like what? And they're like, I don't know, because <laughs> it, like you said, it, to your point, it's so really diff- It's so difficult to make a fair mission that also gives you variety because there's base. As I've said over and over again, there's basically two win conditions in a tabletop game that are universally fair, holds, uh, stand somewhere, kill something. That's really it. Like when you, anything you come up with is gonna be a derivation off of those two core concepts, unless it's something really wonky. And I'll, 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 I'll extrapolate on that, but really everything comes down to have a model in a certain part of the table or destroy an enemy unit or, or some sort of derivation thereof. For example, the, the opposite. Don't let someone stand in a certain part of the table, or don't let your opponent destroy one of your units, or even weirder, don't destroy an enemy unit. That'd be a silly one, but that's that, That's an example. Yeah. Right. It all boils down to those two core concepts, and then if you go off into to wackadoodle land into wonky land, like what you like, one of the the early maelstrom missions are a perfect example of this and why they were so massively unpopular. It's like, okay, you can do a core game mechanic as a win condition, but when you have, as an example, cast a psychic power. Well, when you intentionally design every army to be different, that's obviously a dead duck on a rival because some armies literally can't do it. Yeah. or if Because a lot of the ideas are like, oh, what if you cast three psychic powers in one turn and get a point? I'm like, Eldar will auto get, that's four points in the bag every single time. That's a, a poor mission because for some armies it is, ridiculously easy to do. And for some armies, it's literally impossible. So when you, when you deviate from the core, the two core concepts, stand somewhere, kill something, you start to create very imbalanced, uh, wind conditions, which makes for a very poor mission.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, there's this this subject is actually huge. The game mission design theory and game theory is something you can go to school for and now get doctorates for, right? There's there's people who, who get full on careers just looking into game theory and, and mission design theory and things like this. Well, so
1: game theory itself is a topic that is applicable to anything. anything yeah. And it's actually extremely interesting. Yes, it um, is. But, you know, they use game theory in business and in the military. um, Absolutely.
0: But, but, uh, one thing that, um, if you are someone who's, who's looking into creating a good mission set, not just for 40K, but in general, one thing I've learned is to look at commonalities. There's, uh, factors or things in lists or, uh, games that every player has to deal with every player has access to things like uh hq choices everyone in 40k has to have an hq choice thus... i guess i guess maybe not knights i technically oh, no do. they do they have to make a warlord so, but um uh characters hq choices uh and you can go as even broader like dip de- uh the uh what do you call it? detachments there you go everyone has to have a detachment one detachment two or three so yeah. I don't know, just, you just look at commonalities and, and go from there. Start They're, messing with them. There's so much stuff though.
1: And that's why the, the core idea of the ITC missions and why they've, in my opinion, been so successful is that the primary mission is the basic two things you're doing in every single game, no matter what army you have, mm-hmm. you're always trying to hold objectives, and destroy the enemy. Yep. That's why it works. And then the secondaries are where you can have room to get creative. They're where you have room to try and combat things that are problematic in the meta uh, those are where you can uh, give tools to people to be creative, right? Engineers is a perfect example of that. You can use a unit that has that's a crappy unit in every other regard, sucks at killing things. It's not mobile, but it can sit on an objective and engineer it. That allows for a lot more creativity and list design. Or if you know you have a scenario where Centurions are running amok, well, Gangbusters is now a really good tool to allow somebody to combat units like that. And score points even if they don't destroy the whole unit, so that, that that's the secondary is what give you a lot of room for flexibility, fun, um, and that that's where you can really deviate from things because the the fact that they're they're selectable by the player means that they don't have to apply to every army equally, right? You simply choose the one that appears to you to be the best option given your opponent the you know everything else the the terrain etc. and that's why the combination of progressive set primaries with selectable secondaries works so well Mm -hmm. Uh, it it gives you the flexibility to cover a game that's dynamic um and then you know always relying on the core ideas of what are you going to be doing when you're playing a war game right so yeah fire us out those ideas and again thanks to everybody who's been a part of the creative process we appreciate it and they would not be as good as they are without all the feedback that we get and some people think they suck so that's fine too they would suck even more without all the help we get from everybody else (laughs)
0: <laughs> Alright, upcoming 40k ITC events However, before we talk about the upcoming 40k ITC events this weekend Consider supporting the ITC's Patreon To keep the ITC rolling along and growing For just $5 a month Well, um, you can do
1: from one to more
0: Well, you can do from one to more But for just $5 or more a month uh, You can help support Reese and his beard trimming fund Because he does need to get that beard trimmed I need trimmed. to shave bad. Yeah, absolutely well, uh, you one
1: to talk here, buddy. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's absolutely true. Hold on, hold on. That's why you submit. That's why you go to the Chapter Tactics Patreon <laughs> <laughs> to get my beard. So whoever's beard you want to see get shaved or trimmed. Uh, also, more importantly, support the ITC. You can also get cool stuff like list feedback from Reese. To feedback, which I think is actually the bigger thing, uh, because uh, if, if, if we've had a Michael Jordan of 40k tournaments, I think Reese would probably qualify for that because he's so freaking good at running events. This is insane. Thank
1: you. That was a nice thing to say. I appreciate yeah. it.
0: Well, they don't come often, so. <laughs> <they> well will <laughs> take it. them when I can get them. Uh, but but seriously, though, uh, support support the ITC if you if you use it regularly. Uh, it does affect you. And more importantly, if you're really looking to up your TO game, I highly recommend signing up for some of those higher tiers and getting feedback from Reese because it is very helpful.
1: I agree. Yeah, so if you sign up for the highest tier, um, I will provide – consultative service on running an event or opening a game store. Um, those are the two, those are two of the most common questions I've ever gotten. Hey, I want help running my event. Hey, I want help running a game store and uh, you know, time is valuable. So I decided to weave it into the Patreon. And if that's something you're interested in and you think that my input would be a value to you consider signing up the highest level. Absolutely. All right, let's take a look at upcoming ITC events. I have to say, I think this is the most international weekend it's a lot i've ever seen let's let's just go down so we got uh it's a con in galway ireland fizzy's um provernal tournament number eight in chiang mai thailand Brains and gore in new south wales australia the warmer 40k rtt number one in Vostras, sweden uh torneo por parejas warmer 40k in in coca bamba bolivia and then 40K ITC Melstrom Tournament in Battle Creek, Michigan.
0: That is insane. We that have to is, go do six tournaments before we get to a tournament in the U.S.
1: Yeah. And then we, the next one is in uh, London, the Wargaming Guild Open. And then we've got uh, the rest of them are, yeah, no, they're almost all international events. Well,
0: yeah. There's only two events in the U.S. The Where's the Free Beer event in Germantown, Maryland. Maryland. Uh, and then uh, we've got event in sweden dogma v3 in spain and then finally on uh, uh in brazil open in brazil that's nuts
1: dude we just covered we just went around the world <laughs> we just did yeah we went everywhere we just did a global tour in one weekend these are 40k events from brazil to spain
0: all but two continents
1: multiple in sweden england the united states ireland yeah, yeah.
0: every continent except africa and uh the one antarctica
1: yeah and how cool is that?
0: That's pretty cool, right? By but, the way, if there ever, ever ever is an event in Antarctica, Antarctica, please reach out to us.:
1: It's been sixty five degrees in Antarctica, so
0: maybe maybe now's the time. So, that's you know, short,
1: that's shorts weather
0: <laughs> <laughs> i I will personally buy product for myself to help pride support your event if you have an event in Antarctica.
1: Maybe just go on the Flat Earth tour. And then since that's the end of the world, just jump off,
0: play uh, a game. Then, you, you can go.
1: knock out like three birds with one stone. dude. Boom. There you go. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> but uh, joking aside, this is super cool. I'm not joking. No. <laughs> 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 Upcoming Age of Sigmar ITC events. Uh,
1: there's a ton this coming month. Uh, all Mostly in the United States. Uh, and the Age of Sigmar ITC is picking up steam as well. Mm. But make sure to go in, check it out. There's a ton of events coming up. Support your local events. Get them points have the funds. And then, of course, we were focusing a lot on 40K, but um, the Age of Sigmar, it's funny, the Age of Sigmar ITC crew, it's so much, like, simpler because it's like, oh, we're just playing the book missions. Yeah, And I was talking to everybody. I'm like, hey, guys, is there anything we need to do? Anything we need to think about? They're like, no. <laughs> I was like, this is great. <laughs> so uh, for, for Age of Sigmar ITC, we are updating the factions because they've had a lot of consolidation of factions. So a lot of those you know little subgroups are going into bigger groups and we're updating the the factions for, to re- reflect that.
0: Good. Thank you, GW.
1: Yeah. All right, let's take a look at the rankings. Current 40K ITC top five. Vic VJ in first place. He's gone to three events and it's three weeks in. That's dedication. Oh, yeah. That's dedication. Not only is that, but it's, it's he's, he's almost got 600
0: points. That's almost a major event. That's like, multiple. That's, that's three. Yeah. That's crazy. Vic. Well done. Keep it up, man.
1: Well done. Colin McDade in second. Gregory Westwood in third. Patrick. Why little in fourth. Excuse
0: me. Phil Barfoot in
1: fifth. <clears throat> 40K hobby track. Top five. Uh, John Lennon. What? I've oh, seen your army. Well, John. Hold on. Uh, hold you, on. Who are you bribing for this? Um, we had like a five-way tie in an event. We'll make sure to take a look at that. I think they may have scored it incorrectly, but for now, let's give them their uh, recognition. We got John Lennon, Andrew Gagneau, Richard Siegler, Nick Nanavati, and Sherman. Colin Sherman all tied for first. That's interesting. We're gonna look into that. <laughs> I think that the TO may have not scored that one correctly. Um, that's that's we'll, fine. We'll double check. You know on what?
0: That. You know what, Reese? Just like I learned a long time ago Ooh, cool. when I made fun of Sean what? Naden. What? at the LVO, and he actually painted his army and actually did a really good job because he's actually well, a, a really a good, good painter. painter. He's a really good painter. Maybe we didn't know that Nick Nonavati had a secret uh, painting service called the Brown Brush. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's sure as hell not that uh, atrocity of a... <laughs> what is it? Neon blue thing? He's the the... the the ghost hands Army has oh, playing. oh yeah
0: yeah uh, i was like uh, nick man the, the only one i can believe on there is colin because colin has uh access to an amazing painter
1: well and andrew know. is a good painter andrew is a very good really good painter actually and richard siegler's oh. tower army is astoundingly good looking uh, uh, well maybe you know what maybe. Well, you know what they all went to the the cancon event i'll have to reach out because clearly they didn't score this one right <laughs>
0: So we'll, we'll see. Get it fixed. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll
1: get it fixed. It's no big deal. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at it. It is Sigmar, current top five. Matthew Jones also have gone to three events. That's incredible dedication, considering, like I said, we're three weeks into the season. Uh, Gareth Thompson in second, Justin Costello in third, Daniel Velasquez in fourth, and Matt Anderson in fifth. Hobby Track, Brian Bickle in first place, followed by uh, Ryan Burwell. Joseph Halfacre in third, Josh Lara in also third, and fifth, Russ Tanner. Well done. All right. Uh, Underworlds, first place, Christopher Avalos, followed by Peter Rivera, Armin Curso in third, Victor Sosfransky in fourth, and Rob Howard in fifth. Kill Team, Kyle Fierstad in first, Alvaro Lorenzo in second, Will Reinbold in third, Sergio Cedano Canetrot in fourth, and Ham Sandwich. (laughs) Ah, Right on. Uh, I hope to the core of my being that that's that person's real
0: (laughs) name. I mean, you know what? Rock Liberty is an actual name. That
1: is Rock's real name.
0: Yeah, so Ham Sandwich might be might just be. (laughs) I love it, dude. Maybe his parents hated him.
1: (laughs) Or they just really like ham sandwiches.
0: That's true. You never know. Yeah, the sandwich clan.
1: <laughs> I, am from Clan Sandwich. So what's, what would his dad's name be? Like Reuben,
0: <laughs> Cordon Blue. Uh, cord- sa- anyways, a
1: good. Uh, he's like, this is my wife, uh, French Dip. <laughs>
0: Oh no, we're getting into the weeds now.
1: Uh, All right. Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us for this lovely episode number 671 of Signals from the Frontline. If you want to pick up any of those new goodies we talked about that are up for pre-order, including the Greater Good Psychic Awakening book, you can do so at a discount with free shipping options. Head on on over to store.frontlinegaming.org and you can do that. And while you're there, you might want to pick up a mat or some ITC terrain, whatever, blow your hair back. And make sure to grab a BAO ticket by Friday the 14th of February 2020 if you want to save some money on the ticket price. They go up in cost on the 15th this coming Saturday. Boom. Until then, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.
0: Later.